Welcome back, everybody, to the Baseball Dorks, Season 4, Episode 13. Um, it's been a while since we did a pod. Uh, life's gotten pretty busy now that COVID is starting to, um, you know, um, amount of cases are starting to ramp down. We're starting to uh, do more stuff outside. Um, have you guys noticed any, like, have you guys had any social anxiety whenever, like, get, gathering in large crowds now, or is it just me? It's just weird seeing people without masks. You know, we've been, we've grown kind of accustomed to, uh, you know, everyone's wearing a mask and you can't see people's faces. And now you can see people's faces and you can see smiles and it's a wonderful thing. So I'm, I'm excited. (laughs) As I said, it actually feels pretty normal to me. I think I would still feel uncomfortable if it was like a huge group in like a small enclosed place inside. But otherwise, like most things, being in like a grocery store or something like that, or definitely being outside with people or at a baseball game or something definitely would be, yeah, I don't feel anything about it. So it's, it's, it's good that we're to that point for at least some people. And then hopefully uh, everyone else can get there eventually. Yeah, definitely. The, the, um, the most, the strangest encounter I've had so far was going to a, a baseball game. So here in, at Coors Field in Colorado um, a couple of days ago, they started uh, lifting the, the restrictions on masks. So people don't even have to wear a mask anymore uh, at Coors and they're almost at hundred percent capacity now. Uh, so it was just felt so surreal just sitting there with like uh, 99% of the people not having their masks on. I mean, I'm hoping they're mm-hmm. all vaccinated. Some I'm sure some aren't, but, um, but I am and that's all that matters, I guess. Um, but something that uh, instead of loosening restrictions, the restrictions are gonna be heavier uh, it's going to be with the foreign substances that pitchers are uh, have been using. Um, so obviously, you know, we, we know that pitchers have access to a rosin bag. Um, there have been pitchers in the past who have been caught with substances, just pine tar, sunscreen, some sort of mixture. Um, but recently, there have been um, some restrictions placed in the minor leagues that will be soon making its way to the major leagues where uh, it'll be a 10-game suspension for any pitcher found using a foreign substance um, to essentially, you know, enhance your performance. Uh, there's, there's so many ways we can, we can go down this. It's like, why now? Why in the middle of the season? Um, we, can, we, we could go down the path of what qualifies as, uh, or like, uh, um, like, does it have to be something that's visible? Does it have to be something that, that, that's caught? Uh, like, what exactly uh, uh, qualifies as a foreign substance and, and like how, how much do they have to prove it in order to drop down that 10 game suspension? Like there's just so much going on. And it's just, I think the weirdest part is that it's happening in the middle of the season too. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that is going to definitely make it a lot trickier. Um, we talked about if they did make changes really with this or with anything that usually they happen during the off season where, teams and players both can kind of get ready for that. Um, whether it's the way that they train or the way the team uh, front office puts their team together or whatever it is. So to come down in the middle of a season is definitely interesting. We are saying it, it'll be fun to watch 
with her pitching stats, which have been ridiculous. I mean, DeGrom is on pace for what, like the best season ever, essentially. And he's not the only one having a ridiculous season. Um, So we'll see if that continues with, and we'll be trying to crack down on this. I think in general, it's a good idea. We've talked about in almost every podcast, too many strikeouts, offense besides the home run ball is down. Balls in play are down. And we want to see more offense or at least more contact, more action in the game. Um, and one possible solution could be cracking down on sticky substances. Like it can't hurt to try it at least. Um, it is interesting to see that they're moving so quickly to do it, but I think overall it'll be good. We've talked about some of the other changes that could and should happen to improve offense, but I think this is a good step. Yeah. Nick, anything to add? Yeah, I, I agree. I, it was a necessary step. Um, as you mentioned, the timing of it is a little strange. I, you know, why in the middle of the season, but more so why, why not just wait until like the all-star break? And, you know, maybe give people some time to prepare or maybe that's um, maybe they're just trying to catch the, the offenders off guard. I have no idea. It's just kind of strange that in the offseason, they're basically like, we're going to give everyone a free pass. We're, we're just going to sample the balls. We're going to see what's being used. And then out of nowhere, they're just kind of like, all right, 10 game suspension if you're caught. And even, even then it's kind of like, you know, what, it seems like there's a gray area of what's allowed because it's the umpires enforcing it. Correct. Like what if, you know, there's giving someone a hard, uh, giving an umpire a hard time and the umpire is like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to screw this guy over. Not that that would happen, but it just seems very loose. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I, one thing that's going to be tough that um, we saw the interview with Trevor Williams, right. And he was talking about how, and this has been going on for a long time, obviously that when you mix sunscreen with rosin, it essentially creates like a glue and MLB gives them the rosin bag. It's out there. And you're not going to tell a pitcher that he can't wear sunscreen in the middle of July when it's 95 degrees out. Like he's going to wear it just to protect his skin. And then it, is going to create this sticky substance on the ball. So like if they're allowed to use that, then maybe they're allowed to use other things that are like similar to that. But then there's some things that are just so sticky that it goes over the top. So like, where do you draw the line of what is allowed and what's not? So that's going to be hard. Exactly. And yeah. So it's, and on top of that, some players don't even, I would say most don't even really care about it. Like everyone knows this has been going on forever and that almost mm. every pitcher, if not every pitcher uses something if batters actually cared, you'd think that they would be up in arms and always talking about it and, you know, campaigning to the commissioner's office or whatever. I mean, something, at least some batters would be pissed off about it. But if everyone's kind of on the same page that it's okay, then that's also another reason that I find it interesting why they're not only cracking down, but cracking down quickly because it doesn't seem like the players, I mean, they are a little bit talking about it, but no one's like going crazy about it needing to change drastically quickly. Yeah. Yeah. You heard, you heard some hitters start talking mm-hmm. about it recently, but yeah. only recently, you know, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's like, it's kind of like why now? And maybe it was just so accepted for so long. And now people are kind of finally like fed up with it. I don't know. 
yeah, I think with the fact that offense is just at a, at a historical low, um, <laughs> right. they're trying to find every single angle they can to try to, uh, to try to gain an edge here. And uh, you know what, as far as like, even though it is weird that they're, that they're enacting this in the middle of the season, um, it, it's the, I guess the longer you wait and the longer that offense continues to be muted, uh, you know, the, the worst this problem will be as we, end, as, as we get closer to the end of the season, whereas if you take care of it now, I mean, we're still, we still have over half the games left. So uh, they'll give time for um, what we're expecting to offense to sort of normalize uh, and, and kind of get these, these averages above uh, that 1968 mark that we've been talking about for, for months now. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see what, how much of an impact this is going to have. I mean, we've already seen a few instances with Garrett Cole um, now, uh, where, <laughs> uh, you know, he's, he's known for significant spin rate. And then in his, one of his most recent outings against Tampa Bay, just absolutely shelled. Uh, so I don't know if that was just a coincidence or if that has something to do with that, but we should be seeing a lot more data in the next few weeks um, since that rule was sort of, you know, spoken about. And then it's uh, when 10 game suspensions are enacted, um, we'll, we'll kind of see if that makes a difference in the offensive data that we see. Um, I'm super excited. I actually think too, this might be a good thing for DeGrom and DeGrom's chance at having like an all-time season, because if every single pitcher has got these ridiculous strikeout and ridiculous ERA numbers, like if he's got a sub one, but someone else has got like a 1.2 and someone else has got a 1.5, it's like, all right, I mean, that he's the best, but everyone's has these ridiculous seasons. Now, if some, a lot of pitchers kind of normalize um, offense increases. So just the averages go up. Um, if DeGrom is able to maintain, obviously he won't maintain this, but if he's able to maintain even a sub two with ridiculous strikeout numbers, then you're going to see, I don't know, one of the best seasons ever compared to the rest of the league. Oh yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, how good of a season that Jacob DeGrom has been having. Um, but uh, yeah. And then I remember like a bunch of his teammates were backing him up. Cause when a lot of people were like, Oh, maybe DeGrom's numbers will start to fall. And all of his teammates were backing him up that he doesn't use uh, any foreign substances. And they were saying like, but could you imagine if he did, like you'd be lucky to get a foul. <laughs> That's what I heard. Um, yeah. It, that reminds me of, of when he, uh, when he pitched in single a, his rehab start. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I feel so bad for those hitters. Cause they, I think he had eight strikeouts in three, in three innings. So it's just like, I, that could be what it's like in the MLB, but you know, it, it's just, you know, what if he is using something and his teammates are like trying to cover up? I don't know. It's pure, pure speculation. I don't, I'm not accusing Jacob Dugram of using spider tech or anything, but you know, it's just, I, if he wasn't, and then he started is just, he's already on another level and just blasting off to the next one, which is just unthinkable. Yeah. All right. So not only is the all-star game approaching, but we also have the trade deadline a couple weeks after that. The trade deadline this year is going to be on July 30th. And uh, there have been some rumors already, which is wild because we're still only about a month and a half out of it. But uh, mainly with the Rockies, uh, Trevor Story announced that he's not planning on resigning with the Rockies. No surprise there, but now it's confirmed. Uh, the Rockies will also likely be shopping John Gray. The uh, Padres have reached out to the Rangers, mentioning that they're interested in Joey Gallo. That would be an interesting uh, addition there. Uh, another guy the Padres could be getting is Max Scherzer. The Washington Nationals continue to be in the basement of the NL East. 
And uh, the big one that I really want to get into a deeper discussion with the Minnesota Twins. Um, if you asked me a two and a half months ago if the, where the Twins would be sellers at the deadline, I would be like, no way, they're going to be buyers. I picked them to win the division. And at this point now, I am uh, safely calling my bet off that if the Twins are going to win the AL Central. I think they're, they're going to be lucky if they, if they finish in third, honestly, at this point. Um, but are you guys on the same level as me thinking the Twins are officially sellers now? Or do they have a little bit more time before we can sort of declare whether they're a buyer or a seller? Uh, Nick, what do you think? I think they should exercise a little more patience. Um, they, they have all the pieces. It's just nothing's falling into place. Um, 12 games under 500 is quite a bit of a hurdle. Um, but I, I think the, you know, they're going to, they're, they're, they're one hot streak away from kind of being in the thick of it again. Um, and that could happen in the next month. Uh, Max Kepler's coming back soon. I think Byron Buxton might be coming back soon. I haven't checked on his update, but um, it's the, the, the time is definitely ticking and it's ticking fast. But, you know, hey, give it one more month and you'll have your decision. Yeah, what makes me, uh, I mean, like you said, they're 12 games under 500. Um, they haven't really put together a solid like winning streak this whole season. They're 13 games back of the division, and they're 10 games back of a wild card spot. And not even the run differential gives you any sort of optimism. They're at a negative 39 run differential. So there's really no, it's not like, oh, but they're just like barely under 500. Like, oh, they're just barely back in the division, barely back in the wild card. At least they have a good run, run differential. No, they have none of that. It's all and they're behind three teams. Exactly. It's not like they're in a bad division. Yeah. So there's just nothing to be optimistic about this team right now. Like I, as much as I would like, as much as we think that they have on paper, a really solid team um, offensively, they haven't been able to get it going and now that the weather's starting to get warmer. Like what's the excuse now? Um, and then the, the pitching just hasn't been there. My Cy Young, uh, American League Cy Young pick, Kenta Maeda has been, um, replacement level or just about there this whole season whenever he's been available so it's just everything that's that's that uh could go wrong with minnesota has been going wrong and at this point i just think it's it's um it's too much to salvage and uh as i said before finishing in third place should be their new goal and if that's barely squeaking into a wild card spot then cool but I, at this point they're 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 done in my eyes ryan what do you think I think too, kind of going off what Nick was saying about the patience is that with the fact that there is a deadline, there's, there's no reason for them to make a decision now. Like what if they do play 800 baseball for the next month and a half and vault in the first place? It's not likely, but it's possible. Why would you sell off pieces now when you could just do it in a month and a half and save them for the chance at a run for first place or whatever, even if it's unlikely. Um, so I think you'll that's, I mean, that's the main reason we don't see many early season trades at all, ever, from anybody, because teams just want more time to see what the season's going to look like. Maybe the, maybe a team in front of them has a big injury. Like, you just never know what could happen in a month and a half, like Nick was saying. But I do agree with you, Fernando. If I had to guess, I think they're going to trade pieces. The question is, who really is available from that team? Because they don't have any, like, guy who's going to be a free agent who they need to get rid of who's a stud. The guys who are coming up somewhat soon that I've heard mentioned are Buxton and Barrios. And I just don't really see Buxton being traded. 
One, because he's just such a high-level talent who's just now breaking into his own. And Twins have been so patient with him. But also, I don't know if a team's going to give up a ton for a guy who can't really stay on the field. I feel like Buxton just has a lot more value to the Twins than he does on the trade market right now. So then that brings you to Barrios. And I think that is the guy that if the Twins drop out of contention and he's pitching well, I would watch him because it would make a lot of sense for the Twins to not even necessarily trade him for like low-level prospects or something, but for guys who could help them again next year. Um, and they, they could obviously just keep Barrios and roll with him again next year. But if you're out of it and, and you get a good return and there's a lot of buyers out there looking for pitching, I think that's a guy that they have to at least consider moving. I'm not really sure if there's anyone else on their roster that will get a big return, though. Yeah, outside of their pitching, it's pretty – or outside of Barrios, sorry, it's pretty empty. <laughs> you know, they're, and, and, and that's the big thing. They're scoring runs. They're kind of right in the middle of the pack in the AL in runs scored, but they are second worst in runs against only to the Angels. Um, so that's just – I mean, that, that's their Achilles heel right now, and their starting staff, um, what they have, Jay Happ, um kenta maeda pineda Dobnak. you know Dob- and shoemaker's been the worst pitcher in baseball right so it, it's i guess just- pineda could honestly be a trade piece though also he's not quite as good as barrios probably but he's not much worse and he has i think he actually might be a free agent after this year might have one more year um so that is another guy who yeah could move and, and then nelson cruz obviously is, yeah, a, is a big bat but well, I, I feel like the mar- the market for a DH is usually fairly limited, especially with, again, they only having it this year. So a, a team will definitely pick him up, but I'm just not sure how he's like a massive return or something for the Twins for one year of Nelson Cruz. I would love to see him go to Oakland or something. That'd be so cool. Uh, that would be really cool. Like the new Chris Davis. Who <laughs> <laughs> just got DFA'd. Yes, he did. Yeah, Ugh, rough. His career's pro- probably over, Mr. 247. Gosh, that, what a run. What a run. Uh, let's do some buying or selling. So the team I'm going to focus on for buying or selling, we got the Cleveland Indians. Uh, currently in second place right now, 32 and 26, a minus six run differential, but their playoff odds are at 22% despite being in second place and honestly being the favorite at the moment to either end up in first or second, which will likely land you a playoff spot. But despite that, it's only 22% playoff odds. Um, obviously, they've been carried by their pitching. It's been fantastic. Their offense has been just as we expected. Uh, however, despite the fact that they lost Lindor, um, it hasn't been like totally awful, but it hasn't, it's still, it's still definitely not good at all. Um, so uh, Cleveland Indians, you guys buying or selling and it's buying or selling to land a postseason spot. Hmm. That's the AL is so competitive. I think that I would probably sell just with how good the AL East is. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of them being a contender, I'm definitely and I remember trying to convince you guys that before the season that they were better than the Royals, which the Royals have also been playing well. So it's not like they are completely out of it or something. I think they're over 500 still. Um, but I, I just love the Indians pitching. And I think that their lineup, Franmil has been out for a while but the top half of their lineup is not quite as bad as it has been even without Lindor they still have Jose Ramirez added Eddie Rosario Ahmed Rosario is also decent and Cesar Hernandez has is at least a league average leadoff hitter 
Um, so you're not looking at like wasted at bats at the top. And they just called up Bobby Bradley to play first base. He can't be worse than Jake Bowers. So if they could just address the outfield in some way, maybe they could. Uh, I don't know if the, I guess they could be in on Nelson Cruz. Um, play Fran Meal in the outfield, you'd be sacrificing some defense for offense. Um, <laughs> not sure if they Fran, would do that. Fran Mill and Nelson Cruz outfield and DH tandem. Ain't that something yeah. to see? That would be fun to watch in the lineup. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm 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 selling as well. I just I, I don't doubt that they're a good team, as Ryan mentioned. A fantastic pitching. Um and and they have good hitting, but the AL is just it's too competitive. You know, AL East, you have Tampa Bay on top right now who just keep winning. Uh Boston has been exceeding expectations, maybe you know, at least some expectations, my expectations. Yankees have to turn it around. Blue Jays are there. I I just don't I don't see more than one team from the AL Central making the playoffs. And right now that team is the White Sox. Agreed. Yeah. A's and Astros are both looking strong in the in the West. And then yeah. even the Angels without Trout right now are at least treading water. I still think it's unlikely that they compete for a spot, but it's not out of the question. I feel like they're they're going to be neck and neck with Cleveland at the end of the year. You know, just just m- missing w- by within four or five games. It'll be close up until the last couple of weeks, but they just they won't have the gas at the end. Probably not. Cedric Mullins, the last 14 days, he's slashing 431, 491, 784, good for a 1275 OPS. Um, and over the season, he has a 935 OPS, a 23% walk rate, 14% strikeout rate. Um, and then in just the last 14 days, he is actually the best hitter in all of baseball at 1.3 war. Um, so just the last 14 days haven't been really the, the only hot spot, hot streak he's been on. He's been good this whole season. Uh, he has had moments where he's, you know, been, uh, uh, extra streaky there, but the buying or selling for Cedric Mullins, will he finish in the top 10 in AL MVP voting? I'm buying. I'm top, definitely. top 10 MVP voting. Yep. Uh, I... That's a that's a tough one, and I'm gonna sell mainly because, and I know this probably isn't a good excuse, but I think it's mainly because of the lineup around him. I I think the Orioles. He's he's just not. There's still a lot of writers out there who consider the raw stats, RBIs, home runs, you know, the counting stats. And just in the Orioles, not mediocre lineup. They have some decent, you know, um, decent people there. But right now, he has nine home runs, pretty good. Nineteen RBIs, not very good. Um, I ju- I just don't see him placing top ten in MVP, um, mainly because of that reason. So I think like the top five or six slots in the MVP voting are for players that have been really good on good teams, but then they give like those down votes, like that, like six through 10 slot um, to players who have been very good, just regardless of the team you've been on. So I'm sure he'll like, he'll get enough down votes in order to secure a top 10 spot. That's what I think. Uh, Ryan, you're the tiebreaker. Um, I, I do think that 
yes, probably there probably are some some old school voters still, but I think generally it not like totally reflects the war leaderboard, but it is a pretty good approximation of if you look at the war leaderboard, that's going to be MVP to some level. And then there's going to be variance depending on the team success a little bit and then like the narratives and whatnot. I mean, maybe a little bit of the counting stats. So I think if Mullins does finish top 10 in war, that he would have a legitimate chance at a top 10 MVP finish. But I'm going to sell on both of those wow. propositions. Although I do think that it will be somewhat close. I I don't know. I'm just not buying in on Mullins being this good of a hitter. He's never hit for power ever. He's never really hit that much. I don't think yeah, even in the minors. Um, I haven't looked at his numbers in a while, um, but definitely not since he's come up. So I, I feel like this is kind of a flash in the pan thing, even though he has been doing it all season. I think it's possible that that continues for the rest of the season. I definitely don't think it would continue beyond that. And I think even if it does go for the rest of the season, that there are so many other good players that he'll have a, t- a tough time um, unless, unless he ke- uh, keeps up this level of hitting. Yeah, he only trails one other AL hitter in wins above replacement this season. And we'll get to, we'll get to that, that guy a little bit later. <laughs> yeah. Well, the last guy we're going to go over here on buying or selling is Luis Garcia. Uh, he has a 142 ARA in the last two weeks with 0.9 war. He's actually been the second most valuable pitcher in that span. Uh, overall in the season, though, he has a 2.75 ERA. Opponents are hitting a buck 87 against him, and he has an exact 1.00 whip. Um, I'm a little biased here because he's a guy that I picked up on my fantasy team about a month and a half ago, and he has been phenomenal for me. Uh, the buying or selling here is. Luis Garcia will be the third best pitcher in the Astros rotation by the time the season ends. Third best. Dude, you're making these tough. <laughs> yeah, third that best. is tough. Who's, who's in the Astros rotation? Gonna, I already know I'm going to sell, though, because I, I would take Framber for sure. Okay. McCullers also pretty mm-hmm. confidently. Okay. And then it's Granky, and I still would take Granky at this point, just essentially due to experience and pitchability. Like I just trust Granky to be able to at least give six innings of three-run ball majority of the time, whereas Luis Garcia has been good for I don't know what a month and a half now, and looks to be very talented. I, I think Garcia is going to be a good pitcher, and I think there's a chance that he's one of their top three guys. But I would take those three ahead of him. I guess, though, if I just based on true talent, I think he's just as good as Granky and possibly as good as McCullers. I don't think he's as good as Framber, though. Yeah, Nick. Before you before you you do your take, um, I'm buying on it because yes, I did consider the fact that those three are you know in your mind on paper they're better, but I'm I'm not I'm counting on at least one of them to have a bit of a down like rest of the season or at least not as good. Uh, so which is why I'm buying on that. I think he'll barely crack the top three. Um, and it'll be due to one of those other three guys having a subpar rest of the season. Uh, Nick, go ahead. Yeah, before before I make my decision, I, I just want to say I'm really impressed with him. He just kind of came out of nowhere. He, he pitched in five games last season in the shortened season. Before that, his highest uh, level was A+. Plus. Um, so, you know, he's shining kind of on the big stage out of nowhere. Um, and his, his stats look pretty good. The only thing that really stands out to me is an 86.6% strand rate, which 
probably won't stay that high, but um, expected ERA of 315. You know, he's he's pitching well. Uh, and I think I think it's going to come down to health, as most of my takes do. You know, Grinky is a tank. I don't anticipate him going down with an injury, but McCullers has extensive injury history. Bamber, He's injured right now. <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> um, Bramber is he? Well, he had his. Well, he fractured a finger. I, I, yeah. I'm still kind of confused about what happened with that because they were real secretive about it for kind of no reason. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I'm leaning sell just because i'm feeling pessimistic um <laughs> take a leap i did i don't uh i see him tying with mccullers i that's 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 a unsatisfactory answer but i'm gonna stick with it okay so i'm sorry <laughs> that's fine it's cool I'm, I'm the only one who's buying on uh on the mullins prop bet and the luis garcia prop bet no big deal Maybe we'll be in a bit of agreement here. Um, Wait, sorry. I was going to say one more thing real quick about the Astros. Just that I, I think just in terms of talent, I think Christian Javier is just as good as Luis Garcia, too. Tell He's just not it. in the rotation. Tell me about it. I, I, I haven't dropped him. I still have him. And, uh, and tonight's a big reason why. He's he's kind of like doing this sort of like uh, like piggyback type of start thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's working out super nicely. So I'm, I'm still getting points from that, which is why I'm keeping him. Um, stay cool or panic. Let's just jump into this one. The Yankees, I did not think they would be a part of this segment. 32 and 29, which, you know, like, okay, they're above 500. What's the big deal? Zero, a flat zero run differential. Playoff odds on May 23rd. So two weeks ago, we're at 90%. And in that two-week span, we're now at 57% for the Yankees. So it dropped by 33% in two weeks. They just had... um, uh, the rotation, as we know, was a big question heading into the year. We know what Cole was going to do, but then it was a bunch of question marks after that. A lot of guys trying to bounce back from injury. A lot of guys who haven't had a lot of consistent playing time. Kluber, after he threw his no-hitter, of course, ends up on the IL. Uh, a bunch of the other starters um, uh, haven't been as consistent, like Jordan Montgomery. He hasn't been as consistent. Um, they should be getting Severino back pretty soon, which will be really nice for them. But of course, that's still depending on uh, on a, a lot of things going right there. I don't know. Uh, I want to stay cool with the Yankees, but the fact that their offense has been this poor and their pitching has so many question marks still, I'm I'm panicking a little bit. Um, the deadline, of course, that I mentioned is coming up is going to be huge. They because they have so many areas to address. Um, I think they should be focusing everything on the bullpen. I'm sorry, not on the bullpen, on the starting rotation, because the offense is, I think, it's just uh, a matter of time until it clicks. But uh, it really depends on what happens at the deadline. Uh, then I'll fully evaluate. But at the moment, I'm panicking. Uh, Nick, I'll go with you first. Yeah, it's a kind of matter of uh, if you can't beat them, join them. Let's, uh, let's get Barrios on the Yankees. <laughs> starting rotation help. No, but, uh, you know, actually looking at the numbers, um, the Yankees have the third lowest runs against in the AL, which is surprising given kind of the question marks surrounding their rotation. And I mean, their lineup is just 
too good to be this bad year round. Um, so while I do think their pitching will regress, I think their hitting will progr- progress further than their pitching will regress. I, I'm staying cool. Staying cool? All right. Okay. Okay. Brian? Yeah, I think it's kind of funny that okay, it has to just be the Yankees where you where we have a stake floor panic when they are above 500. It's just kind of funny where like any other team, if they're in this spot, we'd be like, yeah, they're fine. They're yeah. off to like a so-so start. But with the Yankees, just because they haven't finished below 500 since the mid-90s, it kind of feels a little bit crazier. Um, and then also with the division and the league being competitive. And I mean, the playoff odds show that they've had a really bad couple of weeks. Um, but I'm also staying cool. The lineup is so good. And Severino coming back, Kluber possibly also coming back, even if only one of those guys come back, comes back healthy and they trade for another ro- uh, rotation piece. I think that stabilizes the pitching staff. We know that the bullpen's good and they're getting Britain back. The lineup is good. They need DJ, DJ LeMahieu to hit. And that's a big key. Um, Stanton, when he's been in there, is good. Judge has been his usual self. DJ LeMahieu hitting at the top of that lineup and making those three guys the key to their offense, followed by the rest of the guys, Luke Floyd and um, all the rest will hit eventually. Um, but those three at the top just could potentially be lethal. Um, so they need that. But I, I don't know. They just have so much talent. I can't see them. Um, if they do miss the playoffs, it's going to be close. Yeah. Um, it's wild to think that last season they would have missed the playoffs completely if we had this current format of the postseason structure. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah, Yankees are. It's. I feel like they're going to be one of the most active teams at the trade deadline. I'm so excited to see it. I'm, I'm here for it. The yeah, hitter. I though, think that the uh, Tyone but, acquisition has not really worked out. He does not look very good. He does not. Yeah, I forgot to mention him when I was mentioning guys that haven't panned out. Uh, but he stayed healthy though. So like, you know, he's yeah. eating innings, I guess. Uh, Jorge Soler. This guy in 2019, he had 48 home runs. Last season, of course, in the shortened season, we started. We saw some regression. We were see, like hoping that, uh, you know, once we get a full season, once everyone gets in their um, in their normal routines for for preseason workouts, that you know he would get back to his usual production. Hasn't been the case. Hitting a buck seventy four uh, on base of two sixty five and slugging only three fifteen, good enough for a five eighty OPS. He has five home runs, and we're already in mid June. Uh, a large part of that has been due to an increase again, in the strikeout rate. Uh, he's above 30% strikeout rate. Uh, and uh, just, he just hasn't been the same type of player. I don't know if it was just like a one hit wonder type thing. After he got traded to the Cubs, everyone thought that Solera was going to be, you know, he just needed a change of scenery. Uh, but really after that 2019 season, it's been kind of the same old, same old that he, he was seeing back with the Cubs. Uh, Ryan, I'll get your take on this first. I think in terms of being an above average hitter, um, staying cool, he's still hitting the ball hard when he's making contact. And I think eventually he'll make enough contact to be a valuable hitter. I think in terms of him being one of the best power hitters in the league or being an above average player overall, I'm going to sell on that going forward. I think we saw the best Jorge Soler in 2019. I don't think many people would argue that, but I think that, even that season when he hit 49 homers, he only put up like three to four war or something like that. I don't know if you have that there, but it it wasn't very high compared to a lot of other players because he doesn't play defense. He doesn't run the base as well and he doesn't get on base a ton. So 
really he's kind of like Chris Carter in a lot of ways where the home runs are a little more empty than some other players. So I'm definitely selling on him being an above average impactful piece, but I am buying on him returning to an above average hitter. Yeah. Uh, Nick, before we, before we move on to you, uh, yeah, in 2019, he had a 3.6 win season. He has yet to have a season above one uh, aside from Other than that. Yeah, exactly. And, and if, if that's like his stayed healthy, hit so many home runs, had this unbelievable season, you would expect like, for, for a really good player, you'd expect their career year to be like seven or eight war, not three and a half. Yeah. Uh, we'll bring up Jorge Soler again in uh, a segment coming up. But Nick, are you uh, staying cool or panicking on Soler? Um, I am panicking because a lot of the same points that, that Ryan brought up um, in the sense that I don't think he'll continue to be this bad because the talent is there. But I mean, aside from the raw power, he doesn't really bring much to the table. He's going to strike out 30% of the time. He's going to walk 10% of the time maximum. Um, he's not, he's not going to hit for average. He doesn't have a whole lot of speed. So he might mash occasionally. Yeah. And right now he isn't. Right. Yeah, for a guy that's uh, that that uh, his main thing is hitting home runs and just power overall. His slug a slugging percentage of three fifteen. Not what you want to see from that. Uh, this next guy, a pitcher, Nick. I feel like we always have something Angels related in this section, <laughs> whether it's the team itself, a pitcher, or a hitter on the team. Uh, Dylan Bundy last year he had a fantastic season. This year, not so much. On the season, a six one six ERA. 8.68 uh, strikeouts per nine, which is uh, lower than last year. A FIP of 5.13 and 11 uh, starts. The big difference that I noticed from last year to this year, last year he was averaging about half a, half a home run per nine innings. That has increased by almost four times. Uh, he's at 2.05 home runs per nine. So that'll definitely um, lead to some, some, some ugly starts there. Um, I'm still staying cool. I'm hoping he has a nice little bounce back in the second half and that he's just working through a bunch of stuff right now early on. Because let's face it, the Angels are going are gonna to need him to be some, some sort of, uh, of um, a shadow of what he was last year in order to stay somewhat competitive. So I'm staying cool on this one. Nick, I'll go with you first. So I'm staying cool as well. Um, and I think the good thing is he's still eating innings. He's making every start, which is precisely what the Angels need. Um, I think he, I, he's, just, he's been kind of unlucky um, in the sense that 20% of fly balls against him have gone out for a home run, um, which is pretty high. Uh, but just watching him pitch, a lot of the home runs against him have come on two strike counts. So. The way he approaches the batter has been kind of reverse what is traditional, where you start off early in the count with the fastball and then end it with your breaking pitches. He kind of approaches it in the reverse manner, where he starts the count with his breaking pitches and ends it with the fastball. Um, and recently, or at least to start the season, I think it's a sinker or a two seam that he's been using. That's just he, he's been leaving it up in the zone and they have been crushing it. Um, and that's been his problem is just kind of leaving pitches up in the zone. He doesn't have the velocity to do that <laughs> at all. 
Um, and I think if he lowers all of that, if he kind of focuses on um, not, not becoming a ground ball pitcher, um, but just utilizing his slider because he does have a good slider utilizing his slider later in the counts kind of that lower outside part of the plate to righties I think that would mitigate a lot of the damage instead of two strike count leaving a 91 mile an hour fastball in the upper part of the plate and someone just launches it and I think that's just what's been happening so if if he can locate a little more if he can if they can work his pitch mix a little better, I think he can bring it back down to earth. Kind of what we saw last year. I love the optimism, Brian. Uh, yeah. Cause, Cause I'm going to be the reverse. Um, I'm out on Dylan Bundy. I think I was kind of out on him for a while and was pretty surprised actually that he was good last year. Um, kind of like what we were talking about earlier in our group chat in terms of, the types of pitchers we see nowadays and we're seeing more and more high velocity, incredible stuff, guys who don't necessarily know where the ball is going, which is, can be very frustrating. But I think the reason for that is it's just so hard to square balls up against guys like that, that even if they walk a better or two, you're still not going to get hits. You're not going to hit home runs because it's so hard to square these guys up. Someone like Dylan Bundy who throws 91, 92, not a ton of movement, off speed is decent, not amazing. He has to be almost perfect. And I just worry about guys like that, that if they aren't exactly on their game, maybe they aren't a hundred percent healthy or just not quite having that career year like he was last year, that it just only takes a little bit for them to be off for the numbers to kind of go way south way quickly. Whereas guys with really good stuff can kind of mitigate things throughout the season and still pitch well. Um, and it takes a very special guy, like we mentioned earlier, like a Zach Granke, to pitch well at an older age with diminished stuff and continue to get out. So it's very rare and it's hard to do that. Yeah, well, for sure. Uh, it, it's wild, though. Like if this was uh, if, if, if the Angels want to get any sort of trade value for him at the deadline, assuming they're not competing, uh, I mean, there's still time for them to sort of catch up a bit. I'm sure they were kind of banking on him being a big uh, trade piece, but uh, but with the way he's producing right now, they're, they'd be lucky to get a roll of tape for him. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I find that funny. <laughs> I've never heard that expression before. Um, I honestly, I, I don't, I don't see the angels selling. Like even, even if they're pretty far behind in the race, like, I, I, you just, you have to go for it if you can't. Um, that's just kind of the state of emergency there. Um, I can see the headline now, Otani to the Yankees. No, that hurt my soul. <laughs> that will not happen. It is kind of wild to think that Otani will essentially never play for the Yankees. At least that's what it sounded like when he came over, that he just was not interested in that sort of thing. And that's why he signed with, not the Dodgers, but the kind of low-key team in L.A., the Angels. That's Rendon also wanted the more low-key team. So you Trout. think Trout also, yeah, they're, they're probably going to just stay there. Yeah. Not not a bad guy, uh, bad group of guys to have, but you just got to supplement talent around them. Yeah, ridiculous. Yep, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> Are they, though? 
Ties. <laughs> Ties in the corner. <laughs> I think there's flashes. You know, I, I even even though tr- I, with Trout out until probably the All-Star break, Rendon is batting 230. They're three games under. They're seven and three in their last 10. I mean, Upton is just mashing from the leadoff position. Um, Max Stassi has been great when he's healthy. Um, David Fletcher is finally starting to produce. Their pitching has actually been one of the most effective. Their starting pitching has been one of the more effective staffs in the past month. So if they can keep it up, I mean, it'll be interesting. I think so. I hope so. I we'll see. They could overtake the Rangers and the Mariners, but I just don't see them. Like I think the Astros and the A's are just are, they're they're making up too much ground on the Angels right now, where it's going to be just too hard to catch them, even if they get hot. Yeah. The 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 Astros are just tearing it up recently, and and Oakland I, Oakland's kind of surprised me. Like I, I'm yeah, same. They they find a way. And they always do, but just with Matt Chapman like, being terrible too, right? I feel like they sold more than they bought in in the off season. Well, their main they, piece was Trevor Rosenthal, and he hasn't thrown a single pitch, right? And and they're just kind of making it happen. I mean, that that's the team they've always been, um, yeah. at least for the past twenty years, thirty years. They they just make it happen, and that's where they sit, and it's working. <laughs> so. Uh, moving on to a segment called Oh Wow. Uh, I'm going to read three kind of fun little stat nugs, and I want you guys to try to guess the uh, guess to fill in the blank. So here we go. The Arizona Diamondbacks have been a little snake bitten as of late uh, with road games. They haven't won a road game since April 25th. It's June 9th now. They lost their 19th straight road game earlier today to the Oakland A's. What is the all-time record for most consecutive road games lost? They're at 19 right now. So what's the record? Ryan, what do you think? Can, can you give us the year? Because I want to know if it's like some weird like 1875 stat. It, it, was, it was 1916. Okay. So it is something like that. It's probably some team that just like, because I know there were some teams back then that were just like way worse than everyone. And then they would just play teams to make money. And they knew they were going to lose. So yeah. I'm going to guess like 35. Okay. Ooh, 35 i'm i'm gonna but i think i might be low gut, honestly my gut's telling me 23 but i'm gonna go with 26 nick you were the closest it's 20 oh really? wow. just 20 yeah so how do you lose 19 straight game like well 19 straight road games but just you can count that as 19 straight games pretty much like yeah. win so, a game like well, <laughs> it can't be that hard win. right with how and, baseball is you would think like uh, at least one of those times they would have gotten lucky and just won a one-run game or something like that well i was gonna say if this was gonna happen to one team it would be the rockies and if you had told me that happened to the rockies i wouldn't be that surprised with how bad they are this year and it's so well documented that the ball moves so differently in altitude compared to everywhere else so when hitters playing Coors for a week and then play somewhere else, it can really mess you up. So I could totally see a bad Rockies team doing that, but there's no excuse. Like the Diamondbacks are seeing the same baseball everywhere. Yeah. It is very weird. And they have a decent lineup right now. I don't know how they haven't won any games. I think a lot of that is bad luck, but also bad playing. Yeah. So stay tuned, stay tuned tomorrow then, because tomorrow they could tie that record. Uh, they have uh, be a lot more. 
Yeah, see, the D-backs, actually, you know what? I think they might be off tomorrow. Oh, yeah, they are. They're off tomorrow. They're, they're spared. <laughs> Where do they go next? Oh, they, they, they go back home. Yeah, they go back home. All right, so we're going to be able to wait a week or two. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in next time. <laughs> Tune in next time. Yeah, by next podcast, we should see that roll out. Let's see. Their next, oh, their next away game, it is in San Francisco uh, starting on Monday. Oh, good luck. Right. They get four in in San Francisco. Yep. Anyways, moving on. The top three teams as far as runs scored. We got the Houston Astros at number one. They have scored 320 runs this season. Second place, the LA Dodgers with 318 runs scored. And third place is a mystery team with 305 runs scored. Who is that mystery team in third place? Uh, uh, Right behind the Astros and the Dodgers. Ryan, I'll take your guess first. Um, I have a very strong gut instinct. Okay. I'm going to say Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Okay. Nick? I'm hmm, – Tampa Bay is a good guess. I think just because we were all low on their offense and they've been really good, so it makes sense to throw them in here. That that's just kind of my reasoning behind <laughs> going with Tampa Bay. Because like Boston is up there, but I think Boston just has a good offense. So I don't think that would be like that surprising. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'm. I don't feel very confident with this, but I'm gonna go with the Reds. Just because Jesse Winker that's a good guess. No, that's a good is, guess. Is the, just a, a god this season. <laughs> so. That's a good guess, Nick, but Ryan's was better. Tampa Bay Rays are the mm. third best scoring team in baseball, which is ridiculous. I, We're all bad. I could have cheated. I could have cheated and looked, but I did that. <laughs> well, we know you didn't cheat because you got it yeah. wrong. Got Reds are at 283, so not – Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, no, that, that was definitely a, well. a solid guess. Yeah. I was also thinking yeah. the, the Giants, too, but they're, they're at 296. Wow. That's close. I think with, with, with Tampa, they just, I mean, we've talked about it, they just match up so well with everybody. Like some teams, maybe they have a right handed lineup and you run into a couple, a couple good, nasty right handed starters that week, or you just, um, I don't know, whatever. But the Rays are just able to mix and match. They are able to give guys off, nights off that way. Um, and they're always able to have platoon advantages or at least not platoon disadvantages in almost every single game. Whereas you see, I don't know, maybe if your best player is a lefty slugger and you're facing a healthy Chris Sale or Clayton Kershaw or something, like he's probably going to have a bad game. But the Rays don't have that. They're just going to bench G-Man Choi and play Mike Brossow instead. And then they have the advantage. And that's just kind of how the Rays do it. Yep. Um, what number is greater? The amount of no-hitters we've seen in 2021 or the amount of walks Javi Baez has taken in 2021? <laughs> um, I'm going to go – wait, how many no-hitters do we have? <laughs> technically, Five, technically. Technically six. six. But if you add in the Mad Bum one, we have seven. Okay, so six to seven. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go no hitters. I think Javi Baez has five walks. Okay, Ryan. Yeah, I feel like this is a leading question. I feel like it's the, the, the no hitters is higher. 
So I baited you guys. Uh, oh, damn it. It's close though. So if you count Mad Bum's no, uh, no hitter, they're tied. There's seven no hitters, seven mm. walks. Uh, but if you wow. don't count Mad Bum's no hitter, then Baez has one more walk than we've seen no hitters this season. Wow. What about uh, Miguel Andujar? You guys know how many walks he has? I do not. Uh, let's take a guess. But, uh, but he's played significantly less games, though, right? Yeah, no, I, I know the answer if you guys want to. Oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, I'll guess. So, uh, well, first of all, how many, um, how many plate appearances has he gotten or at bats? To, to I can check it, really quick. Get a good frame here. I think it was probably about a hundred or so, maybe. Let me well, that's, just... that's way more than I thought. I was expecting to hear like 60. 89. Okay. Okay, and Baez has gotten probably like double the amount of bats. All right, so I'm gonna guess. Yeah, I'm gonna guess one walk for Andujar. Nick, um, I mean, I guess I'll go zero. <laughs> I mean, you guys are right. Yeah, you guys are right there. It it was zero up until yesterday, I think, or the day before, and then he just, or maybe even today, and he just walked for the first time. Wow. So, yeah, it's <laughs> reminded me of hobby bias. Absolutely no plate discipline whatsoever. I love it. No. Cool. Yeah, so I'll, I'll try to include this segment moving forward, just like three random stats and have us guess yeah. around there. Um, moving on, who's winning the war? So we kind of touched on some of these guys earlier today, but uh, let's look at the top hitters and the top pitchers as far as wins above replacement are concerned. So let's go with the pitchers first. Uh, no surprise who's at the top. I'm sure you guys can guess. DeGrom. Yes. Oh, Which yeah. Wild, considering he has only nine starts. Two less starts. Yeah. Uh, he has one less start than second place, and second place is Corbin Burns at 3.1 wins above wow. And Corbin Burns is, is in third, and he has 12 yeah. starts at 3.0 wins above replacement. So DeGrom is... It has 0.2 more wins above replacement and three less starts. And Corbin and Burns, Cole. Wow. Corbin Burns has two less starts than Garrett Cole and is also ahead of Garrett Cole and wins above replacement. So those guys are just having phenomenal seasons. I mean, Cole should cruise to the AL Cy Young, but uh, it's not exactly yeah. a uh, a one horse race in the National League. Corbin Burns could sneak up behind Degrom. Unlike, Can you tell? Uh, do you have um, Corbin Burns's FIP right there? Because I know it was almost below one going into his last start, and his last start was the best start he's had all season. So I can imagine it's below one now. Yeah, I can look that up real fast. Below one, huh? He, um, yeah, because I think it was 1.2 <laughs> about, and then he had seven shutout innings, no walks, no runs, 13 strikeouts against the uh, D-backs. 0.97 FIP. That's just insanity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because he went like a month or whatever without walking anybody, then walked a couple. I think. I think he's maybe let up one home run and then he's struck out just a ridiculous amount of people. So <laughs> and he's already eclipsed his uh, career high in innings pitched by over 10 innings. Uh, wow. <laughs> we're only in June. That will be interesting to see how he holds up um, throughout yeah. the season. Yeah. I'm hoping that uh, there's some like load management uh, to sort of help him out there. Him and Woodruff and Peralta have been absolutely incredible. Uh, so those have been the three best pitchers. You guys can, I'm sure you guys can guess the worst pitcher. We've talked about him a lot whenever he just goes out and um, has a... Hey, see. Who? 
Patty C. Patty C. Oh, no, thankfully no. It's not. No, thankfully, no, it's, I it's, thought for it's sure. It's gotta be the it's Dark Knight. It's a relief pitcher. Oh, it's a relief pitcher has more negative what? war than Patrick Corbin. Yes, and this guy has been atrocious. We were bashing him the other night, uh, specifically. Really, a reliever? Yeah, very fiery personality, but he cannot oh, back up. Oh, yeah. Amir, oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Because Fangraphs did the thing; they um kind of changed the way that they do their reliever war, where they a lot of war is either gained or lost by how high of leverage the moments are, and his bad moments have all been in like super high leverage. So then he gets like way less war. And I think that's just because war for relievers is tricky in general. Um, so they're trying to figure out like a different way to measure it because pitching in a four run game in the sixth is obviously different than pitching a one run game in the eighth. Yeah. So leverage does matter trying to incorporate that. Um, but yeah, I guess that's why he's has whatever. Neg- what, what, is, what does he have? Negative how much? Negative 0.8. Yikes. Uh, now, as far as starters go, Patrick Corbin is the second worst starter as far as war. Mm-hmm. There's one that's worse on the Cubs. Pat Kyle Hendricks is the worst pitcher in baseball. Go figure. No. I would not have thought that. I would not have thought that. No way. Yeah. He's been fantastic the past month. Yeah, well, ERA of four five nine, FIP of five five four eight. Uh, Corbin's at a six two eight with a FIP of five five five. So they're about Jeez. as far as FIP goes. But Hendricks yeah. is at minus point two. Corbin at minus point one. So then that also does depend too on what war you use. I prefer the one you are using, which is F war. But then if you looked at B war, which uses ERA instead of FIP, then I'm assuming Hendricks war would not be the worst. Um, but especially in small samples, I think FIP is better than ERA. So that's why I prefer F war as well. Yeah. Uh, for hitters, we got a number one. Uh, I think he's a reigning champ from last week. Vladdy. Vladdy at three mm-hmm. and a half. Acuna at 3.1. And Castellanos at 3.0. Yeah, fucking um, Castellanos. Yeah. That's that's incredible that he's that high with how bad he is defensively. Exactly. I guess Vladdy too, though. I mean, Vladdy doesn't play any defense. Yeah. So, shows how good they are with the bat. And the worst hitters uh, this season, one of them just got uh, DFA'd, Jacoby Jones, at uh, negative, <laughs> negative one, exactly. And the other guy we brought up in our an earlier segment, Jorge Soler, at negative one as well. Yikes. So Lair and Jacoby Jones, the two worst hitters in baseball this year at negative one wins of replacement. Um, who do you guys want to give some, show some love to? Uh, let's do some attaboy. Nick? Um, I, got a, I got the two angels. I mentioned one earlier, Justin Upton. Um, he's just been absolutely raking from the leadoff spot uh, over the past 30 days. Six home runs um and he's he's yeah he's been killing it and the man batting behind him mr otani san gotta show the man some love especially after the home run he hit yesterday which was just nuked 470 feet and what a what a pretty human just hitting pretty home runs (laughs) ryan who do you got this week for your attaboy um, I think I've said this guy before, but I'm going to do it again because this is something that I am monitoring very closely. Um, Salvador Perez, <laughs> the guy in the off season who signed 
a contract extension that I was not a fan of at the time. And then I decided to draft Salvador Perez to my fantasy team. So I have, of course, been following him closely since then. And I started to notice like a couple of weeks ago, I was like, wait, this guy literally just play, plays every day, which is very weird for a catcher because most guys play, well, like 60% of the time, the good ones, 75, 80%. Even someone like Yasmani Grandal, who Nick, you have on your team, um, they gave the White Sox gave him a bunch of money. He plays most of the time, but he still plays what 75 80% of games and sits the other ones. Um, and so I checked Salvi and he had started every single game and that hasn't changed. And so I don't know if he's trying to be the first catcher to start and play in every single game. He hasn't caught every game, he's DH'd a few. Um, but even still, and most catchers need the day off completely to just rest. Um, catching 120 games and DHing 40 would just be absolutely un- unheard of. And if he does that, he is more than worth what they're paying him. Like, I, I wasn't even aware that he was capable of something like this. I knew he played more, but what he's doing right now has totally kind of flipped my perception on him. Um, I had been worried that he wasn't going to be able to, to get on base enough, and he still doesn't. He's still walking like 2% of the time, but he plays every day. He's a solid defensive catcher, and he mashes the ball when he makes contact. So his OPS, I think, is still over 800, still well above average offensively, and for a catcher, one of the best. Um, I don't know. I, I've just kind of – it's weird how I flipped 180 on Salvi Perez, and I'm just following closely to see if he's actually going to – play every game where if he just hasn't sat because he hasn't wanted to yet yeah Carlos Santana was another guy that like you weren't so high on early on and then you got him on your team and started going yeah, yeah. I love how that works for you Ryan <laughs> <laughs> my Royals boys I, I've talked a little bit uh I, I wanted I wanted to mention something else just really quick about um having teammates in fantasy there isn't like any added benefit obviously but it's just really fun and that started for me in 2018 when I had this, this is the best combo you could ever have. I had Mookie in his MVP season and J.D. Martinez in his best offensive season ever, and that was, like, the ultimate. So, obviously, this is nothing like that. But having Salvi Perez and Carlos Santana um, hitting back-to-back or two and four in, in the Royals lineup is fun. Um, I guess my power teammate combo this year is Woodruff and Corbin Burns. So, that's also uh, been fun. Yeah, very nice. Uh, I'm surprised you guys didn't bring this one up yet, but uh, it, I had three guys lined up, and this was the one that I was uh, most excited to talk about. Patrick Wisdom. Uh, <laughs> my goodness, eight home runs in 15 games. He's only had 44 plate appearances, and he's just smashing the ball like crazy, uh, which is wild because this is a guy who's been around for quite a while. It's not like he's a young rookie. He's uh, 29 years old already. Been around with a few organizations, Cardinals, Rangers, Cubs. He's been in the Cubs organization since 2020. Uh, got some time in the major leagues, and he has taken full advantage of it, earning player of the week honors uh, this past week. Uh, we'll see how long this he can keep this up. He's slugging over 1,000, if that gives you any idea. <laughs> ridiculous. He has 1.2 wins above replacement already in the game he's played. Oh, get out of here. One, like, that's, he's eclipsed most of Major League Baseball already. Uh, so I just had to give him a shout-out. Like, that's just absolutely incredible. Yeah. And, uh, and even after he got the Player of the Week honors, he homered again, I think, today. Uh, so, yeah, eight home runs. He's driven in 12, has a stolen base to go along with it. So we'll see how long he can ride this wave. But I definitely wanted to give him a shout-out uh, in today's pod. So... 
Any final thoughts before we depart for the week? I've got one while you guys think about it. Uh, All-star voting is underway. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah. And the way they're doing all-star voting this year, it's a little bit different. They're doing, instead of uh, having like a, a cumulative votes from the beginning to the end of the voting period, they're splitting it up in tiers now. So for like the first two or three weeks, I think, I think it's like the first three weeks, it's phase one. And then from after phase one, they'll, you know, take away whoever's in the, uh, doesn't make it past a certain, a certain threshold. And then phase two, they get those guys, like it's maybe like a group of like eight guys that are left. And then in phase three, they trim that down to like maybe like the final three. So it's like tiered voting this time instead of having everything be cumulative, which it's smart on Major League Baseball's end so that they can encourage people to keep on, uh, keep track with it more and not just, you know, vote once and you're done. Uh, and it also kind of incorporates, um, it gives players more time to sort of make up some ground if they wanted to, uh, so that they, like, if, if they were, uh, if, if off to a bit of a slow start and they get hot recently, it gives them a chance to sort of make up ground if they make it to that next round of voting. So it's really interesting to see how they're doing that this year. Um, we'll see if I like it or not, or if, if it's uh, something we should go back to the old, old style, but I uh, just want to throw that out there. Start. For, for once, vote now, vote early, because it'll make a difference um, uh, compared to other years. That's cool. That's yeah, of, I, yeah. I, I guess the one thing I want to comment on um, is just kind of <laughs> throw some respect to the young stars of the game. Um, this home run race between mm. uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Ronald yes. Acuna, it, both 18 homers each right now, it seems like one day one of them takes the lead and then the next day the next one catches up and uh just two young stars who i don't this is a saying that has been thrown around but i feel like they play the game right you know they uh, you know they mash one they're fantastic players but you know they celebrate and they're outgoing and you know they're not afraid to to hustle it out. I love watching Acuna leg out a double. You know something that's you know a single that most people would jog to first, and this guy is just busting his butt. And I didn't even mention Tatis in there. You know just him, and then and then Otani. There's just so many young stars, and they're all just stepping up and producing. And I hope people stay healthy because down the road it's just going to be incredible yeah super fun race there yeah, you mentioned it five guys um that have 17 or 18 home runs uh acuna and vlad jr with 18 otani tatis and winker with 17 and then adolis garcia don't forget about him he has 16 mm. uh probably the front runner for al rookie of the year we can we'll probably do like a mid-season like awards thing and also uh um, kind of just like uh, recap something uh, as we get to um, towards the middle of the season, but uh, yeah, good, good, good call out there. Uh, I feel like no guy's really gonna um, just like take a stranglehold of this. I feel like it's gonna be pretty close for the majority of the season. Ryan, who's your? Uh, uh, you got you got anything that you wanna shout out the last second here? Yeah, I had one final thought. Um, it's kind of a bigger topic in general, so I'll just touch on it briefly, and we can get into it more next time or not. It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. um, but just kind of something I'd also mentioned in the group chat earlier that I'd just been thinking about, um, and just like the reasons that I enjoy not only watching baseball games, but just following the sport of baseball and the team building and the trades and everything that kind of goes with it. 
is that it's just so much more interesting and nuanced to me personally than the NBA or NFL. And I enjoy watching basketball and I enjoy watching football, but just in terms of like a team building sense, in terms of a competitiveness, in terms of a parity, in terms of do we know what's going to happen in terms of all those things, basketball especially is so predictable almost every year. And even when it's not, it still is usually, Oh, whatever teams the healthiest and has the most stars is going to win. Um, how to, how to build the best team in the NBA, either get super lucky through the draft and get some stars or trade or sign stars in free agency. And that's it. There is no like, oh, I want to get a defensive stopper here and I want to get a seven-foot center here to combat this team. It's just get the best player and that's it. And that's just boring to me. And then in the NFL, it's while it's a more nuanced, you do need more than just a quarterback. So much of the value is in the quarterback. And if you don't have a good one, you're not going to be a good team almost assuredly, unless you have stars everywhere else. Yeah. Um, and that to me also is just not that interesting. I, I want to see different methods. And that's what I love about baseball. And we mentioned it earlier with the Tampa Bay Rays, how different they are than other teams. And I, a team I always think about is the Kansas city Royals, because we always talk about how you need pitching and not just pitching, but starting pitching in the playoffs. The Royals not only didn't have starting pitching, they had the like, mid to lower tier starting pitching their best starters the year they won the world series were like your Dono Ventura who was average Johnny Cueto who was below average after the trade and they had like Jeremy Guthrie and James Shields was like decent but I think he wasn't even on the world series winning team um so it was just uh very interesting to watch how they were built compared to some of the other teams or like the Yankees are a power hitting lineup but then recently, at least when they've gotten to the playoffs, they've struggled against power pitching with their power bats. They've struck out too much. So like, do they need to make a change? Do they need more contact? Like, there's so much more nuance to it. I think because baseball players are so close in talent that it just kind of leads to a more parity and more level playing field. And so it's just something that I've kind of been thinking about and something that I appreciate when I watch and follow baseball, just that we, we really don't know what's going to happen a lot of times, both on individual performance level who thought Kevin Gosman was going to be a top five pitcher nobody and like look, you, you look at the NBA top five players you could have predicted that two years ago and so yeah I, I just think it's a lot of fun and so I'm enjoying that aspect about about baseball and I always have yeah it, it makes the regular season so much more enjoyable because there is so much random yeah we've seen uh, I, I don't know if you guys remember it was like three or four years ago when the Marlins were really bad and the, and Kershaw was still like at, at, at his peak, it was a start. It was Dodgers Marlins. Uh, Kershaw was starting and it was some like no name guy from the Marlins. I remember like the Vegas odds on this were just like, like unbelievably skewed towards the Dodgers, like the best mm -hmm. odds like in years for that game. And what happened? Kershaw got lit up. The random nobody had an amazing start and the Marlins won that game. Like you will never see that in the NBA. Like who was the worst team in the NBA this year? The Timberwolves? Yeah, one of. Yeah, like you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't see, you know, like the uh, the uh, twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen Golden State Warriors losing to, um, you know, that Timberwolves team. Like it, it, you, you just would not see that in the NBA, uh, and it just makes that the regular season much more enjoyable in Major League Baseball. Just, just the randomness. It's, it, it's really nice. Yeah, because you guys imagine how boring 162 games would be if you knew what was going to happen. Or if we were like, imagine if baseball was structured like the NBA and we were like, okay, the World Series is almost definitely going to be 
let's say Dodgers versus Astros. And we were like, we're 90% sure. Like, would we really care? Would we watch baseball all the time? Would, would, would we follow apart from fantasy? Like, I don't think many people would. And I can't imagine how you would stay invested for 162 unless you think more than a few teams have a shot. Yeah, exactly. Well, baseball is beautiful. That's why we love it so yeah, much. Sure, is. It's, it's just a different game than the rest of them. Yeah. Cool. Well, that'll about do it for the week. Uh, we hope to get back to a weekly cadence, uh, especially now that we're a little bit more settled in into our current locations. But uh, it'll be fun. Next, we're just we're gonna start doing a lot more All Star talk, a lot more trade deadline talk as we get closer. As uh, I'm sure, many more rumors will start being uh, being known to the public, uh, and also as teams start to figure out where exactly they lie. Like, are they a team that's a fringe contender, or and if so, are they gonna well, with what they have, or are they going to go out and try to get someone? So um, it's going to be a lot of fun in the next couple, um, in the next few weeks, honestly. So, but until then, I'm Fernando for Ryan and for Nick. Have a good week, everyone. Days, I found God. Yeah.